Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show number 110. Can't believe it, hey? Um, we have the wonderful Dr. Lewis Ehrlich back today for a part two on those FAQs um, that came through. So basically, just in case you didn't listen back to show 107, where we did the part one, uh, I popped into a couple of the alumni groups of the courses and the Lotox Club chat group Um that is something you can join anytime and nominate however much you want to pay to be a part of it um, because it's um, access for all. That's something really important to me. So details are always in the show notes on coming to join us there and we run little challenges and have discussions about the podcast. Um, It's a really beautiful group of people. But, yeah, so I popped this whole, you know, does any ha- anyone have any holistic dentistry questions? And there were a bazillion questions, like literally 100 questions in 10 minutes. And so I uh, endeavoured to group them all into uh, sort of themes, I guess, and, um, <laughs> wow, there were just so many. So the first uh, one we recorded was on enamel and instruments, apparatus, procedures, cosmetic dentistry. And today we're going to be talking a bit more in depth about fillings, cavity protection, preventative oral health, uh, and troubleshooting some miscellaneous things um, that came up from teeth clenching to geographic spots on tongues, grinding, chromogenic bacteria, um, even something practical like if you can't get to a holistic dentist, you know, what do you do? Um, mouth taping for kids um, and how to deal with small jaws in kids and everything. So um, fillings, cavity protection, preventative health, that's where it's at today. And I hope you enjoy the show. Um, Now we have the next two weeks, a wonderful offer from Republica Organic. Uh, As you may or may not know, um, and this is for the Aussies, you have 30% off the entire range and you actually now permanently have 30% off the entire range when you purchase from republicaorganic.com.au. Uh, it's just for Lotox peeps. Your code is Lotox30. And uh, and this is a long-standing uh, offer that they've given our community, which is amazing. You get f- f- um, fair trade, organic coffee. If you're trying to, if you've got a pod machine, for example, and you're trying to do better in the pod department, they have biodegradable pods uh, that they've done a lot of research around. Um, and uh and uh, I personally love serving the Timor um, ground coffee in our um, regular coffee machine when guests come over and everybody absolutely raves about the quality of it. I made um, a couple for the team here last Team Tuesday, and um, sorry, actually a few weeks ago um, because I'm overseas at the moment uh, as I record this still while I'm in Sydney. And, um, and they were like, wow, this is really delicious. So it really does get rave reviews. The minimum order quantity for Republica organic products on the website direct is six. So you might want to go halves with a friend, halves in the shipping, catch up, pardon the pun, but have a coffee together and split the order. Always a good excuse for a catch up, Uh, but please do make the most of that discount. And once again, they are offering a year's worth of free coffee to one lucky listener. So all you have to do to enter that is to pop in the show notes 
a little reason why you'd love coffee and why you'd love to win. Uh, and there have been some beautiful people who've won this in the past when they've um, run this promotion. So go go um, go! pop your um, comment in the show notes. If you wanted to just buy Republic or Organic Retail, they are widely available in both Woolworths and Coles. Um, and uh, But if you prefer to support the business directly, then, as I said, 30% off is pretty good. So make the most of that. Now, let's hook into this chat on uh, FAQs on holistic dental health. Once again, with Dr. Uh, Lewis Ehrlich, uh, he is a wealth of information. He cares so much about not only what um, the ideals of holistic dentistry are, but what it means to have that patient in front of you on that day and what's going to be the best for them. And I feel like he's got a really uh, balanced um, view on, you know, being able to go with the flow some of the time and bring in the big guns when, when it's needed without making people feel guilty for having to not do the most natural thing, uh, which I think is something, you know, a lot of people struggle with when they make low-tox changes. We, we chase perfection. Perfection doesn't exist, my friends, sadly. Um, and it's really all about realizing we need to go with the flow sometimes. Uh, and uh, Lewis is amazing at talking us through when when that needs to happen and why. So enjoy today's show. Hey, Lewis, how are you? Good, thanks, Alex. How are you? I'm great. We're talking about teeth a lot, hey? <laughs> big topic. Who knew? I know. I, I still can't believe just how many people fired questions at me when I said, hey, I'm going to be interviewed. And doing a bit of a Q&A, I really didn't realise we were going to have to make it a two-part situation, but here we are with part two. Um, now, I will um, uh, start where kind of where we left off on this section around filling and fillings and cavity protection because that's a big one for people. And I know we talked about the role that topical fluoride can play in, um, in weakened enamel as well. Uh, and I appreciate that while you're a holistic dentist, you're also a realist and you're looking at the patient in front of you and there are always exceptions to what p- perhaps hippie dental utopia might be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how Can I start by sort of just asking a general question? How do, you, um, how do you reconcile when you have to make those sorts of choices? Is it really just thinking patient first, um, and, and sometimes that means we need to, to kind of change the way we think about things or what our ideals are as holistic dentists. Yeah, I think a patient-centred decision rather than a practitioner-centred decision is what drives you. I mean, if, it's almost like if my dad or my mother or whoever or my grandma was in the chair, what would I do for them? Mm. And that's kind of where you where you, you kind of head goes and then yeah you've got ideas on what's ideal but you know everything besides your own tooth in perfect health is a comp is going to be a compromise mm. and it's all about minimizing that compromise and getting people you know to a state where their where their teeth are really healthy and functional because at the end of the day going back to basics your teeth need to be healthy and functional for you to break down your food and get the nutrition that you 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 can get from food so digestion starts in the mouth and at the end of the day you need you need that function so if if we have to make a few compromises here and there 
um, whilst we work on some of the lifestyle factors that may be at play, then then I'm cool with that. But yeah. it's just case by case. So and there's a short term, um, like it's almost like acute care versus long t- long game that you then build for a patient. While like as you said, addressing lifestyle and some of the bigger things that need to change, and sometimes those shifts happen a little more slowly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if someone comes in with a with a swollen face due to a toothache, I'm treating the toothache because that can cause a huge amount amount of trouble and that's my main focus. Mm. It's like triaging treatment and then you can start working on the things that got that person into that situation at a later stage, but it's not really you know, a time to be <laughs> to be talking about. So, you know, <laughs> so look, a job look to I appreciate done. that you have a tooth half hanging out. Let's talk about how many veggies you eat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, if you think of it, going back to the cardiologist example, like if you came in with like chest pain, the cardiologist wouldn't be talking to you about the fact that you need to quit smoking or the fact that you need to exercise more. Mm. They'd be treating the chest pain and, and then they'd work on that, hopefully. Yeah, um, yeah. But that's the idea. Mm, gotcha. Um, so let's kick into a few questions on fillings and cavity protection. Um, and that kind of feeds into preventative health uh, as well. Um, what natural toothpaste or what, what sorts of things should we be looking for in a natural toothpaste um, in terms of uh, our kids versus our adults? Or can we all just use the same ones? And I'm, I'm going to sort of add to that um, a lot of people, and this is so true, there is so much confusing information around whether glycerine is okay or not okay and whether you should use electric versus manual. And there are so many conflicting bits of information on our glorious World Wide Web that it can be really confusing to choose a darn toothpaste. Mm. Yeah, there's so many so many options out there. And it's, I mean, even as a dentist, it's confusing, to be mm-hmm. honest. Um, yeah. But I think that at the end of the day, you have to think about basically the, the decision that you make on a toothpaste will be based on the lifestyle factors in and around, um, you know, if you're thinking about yourself or your child, mm. you know, you're thinking, is your diet natural, healthy, high in those, you know, important fat-soluble vitamins? Are, are you a regular attender at the dentist? Do you have a history of cavities? Um, are you a mouth breather? Do you dry your saliva out at night time? Do you don't have that protection? Are you consuming a lot of sports drinks, energy drinks, soft drinks? Do you, you know, all these sorts of things, the list goes on basically can influence what kind of a toothpaste, you know, you may, you may select. So mm-hmm. for example, you know, I try and use a, a natural one as often as I can, but you know, when, when I've been a bit naughty around Easter or Christmas and I've dropped the ball diet-wise, which I always tend to, to tend to do a couple of times a year, then, you know, I might say, you know, here's a few days where I might consider using a fluoride toothpaste. Even oh, right. Okay. Even though it's got a, you know, you know, a lot of nasties in it that I don't really like. Mm. Um, but there are a couple, and I'll put them in the show notes, of natural toothpastes that contain fluoride. Um, Jason Powersmile have one, for example, and um, and I'll pop the iHerb link in the show notes for anyone yeah, who's so interested that, in that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an example of one that you know you you track down and just use when you've been a bit naughty. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
95% of the time I'm trying to be as natural as possible, but I'm always, or it's, it mirrors what I'm doing in my life. So if I'm really natural with my food and, you know, I'm getting a good night's sleep, I'm breathing through my nose, I'm exercising a lot and really healthy, then, you know, I'm, I'm more than comfortable um, using a natural toothpaste. But if you're not ticking a lot of those boxes, then, you know, perhaps a you know, a bit of topical fluoride is probably the least of your problems. You know, if you're consuming a litre of Coke a day, you know, yeah. which some people do, mm. you know, but then they come in and they're dogmatic about the fact that they want to use a natural toothpaste. Well, I say to them, it's the least of your problems, you mm. know. Yeah. It's so, really interesting, isn't it? Because um, I know in um, Go Lotox, for example, we present um, a whole bunch of natural toothpaste and then the one that I just mentioned that also contains fluoride in it and it's you have to understand that if you want to switch to a natural toothpaste you also have to make the lifestyle decisions that go around um having strong teeth that don't necessarily need the same level of protection anymore either it seems to be that that is the undisputed fact so if you're still going to be sending your child to a daycare facility that feeds them grainy snacks several times a day and they're wandering around the playground holding a piece like a plain cracker with all that starch kind of hanging out in their gums all day then that's not ideal and that the natural toothpaste is not going to cut it yeah i mean people get really hung up about the product but Mm. you know decay is a multifactorial disease you know it's it's not you know the flip side of it is that people come in to our practice sometimes and they use a fluoride toothpaste and they drink fluoride water and then they just think that they can do whatever they want Gotcha. You know, diet-wise, yep. which is not the case either. So I think, you know, if your tooth, the hardest substance in the body, is decaying, mm. you know, that's an alarm bell that your lifestyle choices have to be closely scrutinised and, you know, changes made. Mm. Um, and But it could also be deeper than lifestyle choices, right? We could be looking at um, genetics. We could be looking at the mother not having had enough nutrients to pass on to the baby when the baby's born like there's all those sorts of things as well yeah Mm. yeah it's the full picture it's Mm. you know what the what the mother and father were were consuming you know preconception even Mm. um whether or not you're sharing spoons with your child when you've got high decay rates at a particular time in your life you know all these sorts of things can play a role and mouth breathing is a massive one like 80 percent of kids these days are mouth breathing that's crazy isn't it yeah, and then you know if you if you're throwing in all those snacks that you talked about in those daycare centres, and then you're mouth breathing all day and all night, what protection do you have? You got no, you got no hope. Mm. Um, and so, um, you know, then there's ba- you know saliva quality and quantity. Like some people just don't have good good saliva quality and quantity. You know, they might have a systemic disease, or they might be going through radiation therapy. They might have you know can you know cancer related treatments and things that can you know, starve your mouth of saliva and then even like really, really heavy coffee drinkers, you know, it's a diuretic, it it can dehydrate your mouth and is acidic in nature. So how many coffee drinkers are there Mm. out? I know I didn't get, I haven't had any fillings at all until um, I was pregnant. And then as soon as I had Seb and spent that time building a 4.2 kilo baby, um, <laughs> the three years that followed, clearly I was just really nutrient deficient. Um, I had, I think I had eight or something and I'd never had any before. 
Mm. Um, so pregnancy is another one where we really need to look at and breastfeeding time. We really need to look at making sure we're restocking our nutrient stores because apparently I remember the dentist saying, you know, a, a lot of women go from having perfect dental health to all of a sudden needing all these fillings once they've been through one or multiple pregnancies. Mm. And then, you know, like another thing that people don't realise with decay as well is that there's actually food sensitivities that can play a role. So, for example, if you're sensitive to gluten, you mm. can act, there's numerous studies showing that that softens dentine, which is the inner layer of a tooth. Um, okay. But, you know, below below the, the outer enamel um, layer. So there's an inner layer called dentine. And that's been shown to, especially in kids, if there's a gluten sensitivity and we know that we've we're getting you know more and more processed gluten as the years go on um that can actually play a role in a kid being more susceptible or even an adult um being more susceptible to decay and actually when you work on some people you almost get like a tactile scent you know like if for this is a bit graphic and people don't like the word drill but when i drill into it <laughs> Um, sometimes you can actually get this kind of tactile sensation of a tooth being quite soft. Oh. I mean, obviously, obviously, like I'm drilling into a tooth because it's soft because there's decay, but mm. you can still get a, a sense that there may be some sort of a perhaps a dietary intolerance there. Oh, food. wow. So unidentified dietary intolerances can make teeth softer. Yeah, gluten, gluten. Just specifically gluten, okay. Well, that, that's what the studies have focused on. I'm sure there's others, but... Mm, interesting. Um, yeah, if a kid's just loading up on stacks and stacks and stacks of gluten or they're, you know, undiagnosed celiac, they'll have a higher chance of um, decay. Mm. Um, and this is definitely not about poo-pooing natural toothpaste, by the way, but one of the questions that came through was that they'd tried all these different brands and they've named three there, but I'm not going to name and shame because it's not going to be the same for everybody, um, and they caused mouth ulcers in the corner of their mouth um, to crack really badly, and they mm. really want to use a natural toothpaste and they're wondering what kind of ingredient might be causing that and whether you had any suggestions. Yeah, well, I mean, you're, you're probably a better person to ask answer that question than me. But, um, you know, what I'm thinking there as well is that cracked lips, ulcers and things, ulcers are normally a sign of some sort of immune, you know, or nutritional deficiency um, when you run down stressed or what have you. So it may be coincidence. The other thing as well is that a lot of kids, like I said, 80% of kids mouth breathe and a lot of mouth breathing will cause dried, cracked lips, um, and, you know, the corners of the mouth to be quite irritated. So, you know, it may just be that that was a flare-up and a, perhaps perhaps a coincidence, perhaps not. Mm. It's hard to say, but I'm not sure about specific ingredients. You, you might want to take the floor here, Alex, for that yeah, one. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Look, it could be um, the essential oil component in some of the toothpastes is quite high. Uh, and uh, not everybody's great with essential oils. It's not, uh, you know, just because it's natural, it's awesome because natural things can still cause sensitivities. Look at food. Um, and so I, I definitely would encourage you to just keep working through a few different brands. I find toothpaste and shampoo tend to be the two types of products that people take the longest to find their perfect one for. So don't despair. And if we think back to our mainstream cho choosing when we move out of home and all of a sudden you've got free reign of what you want to stock your cupboards with and 
um, your shower with. Uh, often you, you work through a few things before you land on your favourite brand and natural products is exactly the same. It's not always going to be, oh, because it's natural, it's going to be awesome. You still mm. want to find one that fits you best. Um, but of, um, of the list that you, the person shared there, they haven't shared the Jason Power Smile um, uh, product that um, does a fluoride-free and, a, and an anti-cavity fluoride-containing one. And that's um, one of our favourites here at home. I haven't, I haven't seen a listed uh, Dr. Bright, which is a very gentle formulation, and that could be a good one to look into. Uh, and I haven't seen Grant's. So I'll pop the... I'll, I'll pop sort of eight brands that I, I have seen lots of Lotoxes like at different um, times in different discussions so that everybody can kind of see a really good definitive list to work through. And, um, and don't despair, just, just keep trying. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's really hard to know exactly which ingredient might be causing a sensitivity um, that's in natural toothpaste that's not in, you know, unless it could be bicarb. And those brands may contain quite a high level of bicarb and that mm. can cause sensitivity. So you want to try and maybe try for a brand that uses more of the, um, the calcium um, type of um, abrasive rather than bicarb. Um, I can't remember what form of calcium it is in toothpaste. Calcium carbonate, is it? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, so you might want to just switcheroo on that particular abrasive ingredient that's the whitening component of natural toothpaste and, and have a go. But anyway, I'll pop different types in the show notes and everybody can go have a look. Yeah, the other thing that you can do if the ulcers are, are flaring up a bit and is in a bit of discomfort is to actually, you can get a, we stock it in our practice, it's a, tincture of calendula oh nice so you can actually pop basically get a cup of water it comes in these little vials and you can just do like one and a half vials it's got those little squeezy tops that i don't know if you've ever seen those no i haven't i've never Um, needed them but they sound really useful yeah and then you just pop it in the water and you just pop some in your mouth swish it around for about 30 seconds and then obviously don't swallow it and then you do it again for another 30 seconds and then you do another bit for another 30 seconds and that's actually been really effective to heal a lot of things in the mouth very naturally as well. Mm-hmm. Very good tip. Is that something that anyone can get or is it a practitioner-only product? Um, we get it made up. So I'm sure you could go oh, to like okay. your herbalist or you know, naturopath or what have you and they could be able, they'd be able to get it for you. Or you just ah, pop. gotcha. Yeah, using calendula herb tincture and then diluting it with some um, distilled water or something. Yeah, and mm. I mean... You know, you can always get it from our practice if you're Sydney-based. Yeah, yeah, cool. Good to know. Um, Okay, so let's move on to another question around um, this topic. Would you mind asking Dr. Ehrlich if there is actually any benefit really to using toothpaste or if it's just about that added bonus of fresh breath and, and making it taste clean after you've brushed or could you just literally use a good brush? Um. Yeah, this is an interesting one uh, because there's a, a little bit of like mixed evidence in the in the literature. Some some say that it's actually just about mechanically removing plaque, mm-hmm. you know, and if you do that, then you'll you'll reduce your risk of decay. But I think that would have been more, you know, something that we'd re- we would have recommended, you know, maybe two or three or four hundred years ago when it was. A, you know, less refined foods. So yeah, I don't yeah. think we can necessarily get away with 
doing that this day and age obviously is going to do something because the whole reason why you get decay is that a plaque sort of biofilm, like a sticky community of bacteria, basically stay on the teeth and they create an acidic environment on the tooth and then you'll start softening a, you know, a hard substance, which is your tooth. Mm-hmm. And so the very act of removing plaque will decrease your risk of decay. But they've actually shown that you know, things like fluoride toothpaste or um, tooth mousse, you know, the CCP, ACP products, yeah. um, they actually do protect um, against um, decay. They, they, they stop the bugs that, that cause decay or they reduce the number of them. So, yeah, it's better to use something. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and uh, in terms of just addressing the whole electric versus manual toothbrush, what what are your thoughts there? Um, look, there's a couple of points to raise here. One is it doesn't matter what toothbrush you use if you're not brushing in a systematic, um, you know, ideal way, you're going to keep missing spots. So no. <laughs> Case in no, point, no. my nine-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, most of us actually, we're, we're creatures of habit, so we'll yeah. brush this way over and over again. And, you know, when I go, I'm not immune to it. When I go and get my cleans, I... You know, the hygienist gets up me for missing. Are you missing this spot on this back right-hand side? Oh, okay. Good Good to know so, you're human. Yeah. So, I mean, when we just tend to do the same brushing technique over and over again. So, you've got to just break, think about breaking the mouth up into sections and making sure you're going down the outside of the teeth, the top sections of the teeth, the inside surface of the teeth, and the very back surface of your very back teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, a lot of people just don't think about it. They just kind of getting this sort of, um, you know, brain fog and just go for it. Um, so that's point number one, you've got to brush well. Two, if you are brushing well, then the studies show that electric or sonic toothbrushes are actually a little bit more effective than, than manual toothbrushes. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, if you're really, really thorough, it would be negligible, the difference really. Oh, cool. That's good. Um, but a lot of the a lot of people actually aren't good brushers. So the other point to make is that from you know we always think about health and we think about ourselves only. But if you think about the environment, mm. um, there's like 30 million toothbrushes that go into landfill in Australia every year. Yeah. And so you know a manual biodegradable toothbrush is better for the environment, but perhaps not as effective for your mouth. And so there's a little bit of a trade-off. Mm. Um, but me personally, I, I, I think a good thing to do is if you're going to get a sonic toothbrush or an electron, uh, electric toothbrush, I've got a sonic one, uh, the Philips one. Yeah. Um, I find that they're really effective. Like you get that really kind of glossy feeling on your teeth when you're done. Nice. Like if, as if you'd gone to the hygienist. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there's none of that sort of furry stuff that, you know, you can feel that, you know, residue if you haven't done a good job or what have you. Mm. And you, you never really get that with the sonic ones. But what I always tend to do is I, I don't want to lug that with me on holidays. So yeah, then I'll get it's pretty I'll, big. Yeah. Yeah, I'll get a biodegradable one. Mm-hmm. And that's that way you're doing the right thing by the environment as well instead of getting a plastic manual one every time. Yeah, yeah. Good. Good compromise there. Nice. And then in terms of flossing, 
Um, obviously, we want to stay away from Teflon-coated flosses, and I'll pop a couple of um, options in the show notes uh, there for people who um, that was just a massive what? My Teflon-coated um, uh, tooth floss because, yes, it's true, most of the leading brands are. Um, but in terms of flossing, do we want to aim for twice a day? Just once a day is fine. Once a day is okay. Cool. Yeah, so I like to um, do it at night time. I floss, then I brush, then I rinse. Floss, brush, rinse. So a lot of people brush, then floss. I don't really – it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like you pull some – Yeah, because you want to take all the bits out and then brush. Yeah, so you floss floss all the gunk from underneath your gums and then you bring them, you know, to the external – environment and then you brush them away mm-hmm. nice um okay another good question here uh all of our teeth have yellowed and i'm getting fillings for the first time in my life since switching to natural toothpaste two years ago this person is gutted they've found a great holistic dentist her six-year-old's just had two small fillings today which even the dentist oh this is interesting said um is unfortunately due to a lack of fluoride as there was no plaque and uh, we have a low-sugar diet. Um, I guess my question is why is there no natural toothpaste with sodium fluoride? Ah, now there is, and as I said at the start, we've popped that in the show notes for you. So head over there and check that one out. Um, But there's quite a bit in this. So interesting the comment, a lack of fluoride, because isn't it a lack of nutrients that keep the teeth healthy, not a lack of fluoride? Yeah, I think... It's it's certainly uh, you need you need to load up on vitamins A, D, E, and K, and that's mm. you know like I said preconception, and then the you know a child should be consuming foods high in that for for good health and jaw bone health as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is a question. This is an interesting one. There was no plaque. Yeah, there was no plaque, yeah. and they have a low sugar diet. But yeah, that, so if there's yeah, no if there's no plaque, mm. that says to me that there perhaps is some sort of an erosion. Okay. Like um, from grinding or something? No, no. So like a, an ero- like erosion from like things like reflux or, you oh, know, gotcha. um, or even like, you know, carbonated beverages, even like soda streams, sparkling mineral water. A lot of people don't realize that that's erosive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would be looking in definitely into some kind of reflux issue with it, like an integrative GP or what have you. Um, but, yeah, if there's no – plaque around or there's no like yeah what we call calculus which is that stuff that you get caught in between your teeth on your your lower teeth you know mm, that yeah. you get cleaned all, every six months um that's actually a sign that there's not a lot of mineral content so that's actually where i would recommend using a um about eight weeks of tooth mousse mm-hmm. and then that will actually promote this sort of calcium and phosphate to build up around the teeth which we kind of want to want to see to an extent yeah um so yeah i would i would say that you need to be getting on to like tooth mousse once a day for like eight weeks yeah um, and that could help that situation okay, rather, cool. rather than the fluoride side yeah and in terms of the yellowing what's your go-to natural solution for teeth that have yellowed uh, for, you, this, you, i mean this sounds like it'd be the sls abrasive that's in 
mainstream toothpaste that keeps teeth super, super white, but it's super, super irritating um, and not great to go into our bloodstream, which the gums are a gateway for. So I get that we want to move away from this, but people obviously very happy to go to natural stuff, but they want it to perform and not get yellow teeth. So any ideas on that one? Well, I think that if, if they're yellowing, that can be a sign that there's some sort of a, an erosion going. I mean, it's hard for me to say without seeing the mouth, but if you – the dentine underneath the enamel mm-hmm. is naturally yellow. Yeah. And so if you if you start to thin your enamel out through, you know, an abrasive toothpaste or, um, you know, if you've got a lot of erosion, if you're consuming a lot of carbonated beverages, wine, gin and tonics, all those sorts of things, mm-hmm. um, then you'll have a tendency to thin that out as well. So if, if you've got that going on, you know, beverage-wise or you've got some sort of silent reflux that's coming up into the mouth and then you're brushing with an abrasive toothpaste, then you're going to show more and more yellow, mm-hmm. which is coming through. Conversely, there might be something in your diet that is causing that So, without any thinning of the enamel. So some people have a really porous enamel, like mm-hmm. they naturally have like quite – quite sort of deep grooves if you see if you see it on a microscope and then that's when they start picking up stains so that could be something in the diet which is obviously needs a full history Mm. is that when things like doing a bit of a bicarb brush or an activated charcoal brush once or twice a week um like as a precursor to brushing could be a good little booster could be, but it depends on if there's already abrasion, which means that you're brushing away your enamel, mm. some of the, some bicarb if the actual particle size is too big and even activated charcoal. So a lot of studies, well, not a lot, but there's a couple of studies that have come out and shown that particle size can actually play a big role in actually stripping more away. Ah, okay. Yeah. So uh, if you're going to go down that path, I don't really know how you go about checking it but you'd want to make sure your particle size is very very small mm-hmm. and then you're making your stuff you know your, your own toothpaste you got to make sure that you're just getting that particle size really really small the particle size of the actual ingredients themselves yeah so like the gotcha. charcoal or the yeah the the bicarb super yeah. fine super fine super, yeah. super super fine if possible yeah cool Um, Okay, so you've mentioned vitamins A, E, D and K quite a bit and D and K2 seem to be the two real golden ones in terms of especially transporting minerals. Mm. Um, Do you think that it might be necessary in the the world that we live in these days um, and the cultural norms of our diets, especially when maybe our kids aren't at home eating the way we feed them, but at playdates and daycares and school canteens and all those sorts of um, situations where um, where nutrition might, you know, like sometimes you just got to go with the flow, right? And it's not ideal. Do you think that supplementation, there's a case for supplementation today? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think definitely like if you think about some of the minerals that we're missing in our soils, our, you know, missing in our diets and things like that. Yeah, I think, I think there's a place for it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. And um, in terms of um, Western A. Price's research on um, teeth and the health of teeth, uh, you know, diet prevented, pre- being able to prevent overcrowding and um, not having to remove wisdom teeth and root canals, have you seen in your practice over the years and in, in learning from um, Ron and your dad in the practice for the many years they were there before you, 
that there's a real correlation between people who eat very traditional, simple, whole food diets, high in these nutrients, and people who don't? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but I think that it, I think we we kind of get a little bit too focused on on those foods in order to to get a result. Whereas mm-hmm. it's not only the food that plays. Don't get me wrong; it plays a huge, huge role. That's, I'm not trying to downplay it. But what we also have to look at is the way we eat. Yeah. Okay. And and the way we breathe, because you can eat all the natural food in the world. Mm. If you're a habitual mouth breather and your teeth aren't together and your lips aren't at the, your tongue's not at the roof of the mouth, and you've got this kind of open slack jaw that you see so many kids, you know, walking around with, then if your tongue is not at the roof of the mouth, your cheek pressure pushing inwards will always win over the tongue that's not there. It'll be on the lower jaw. Yeah. Um, and so if your tongue is at the on your palate at the roof of the mouth, then those sorts of habits um, will also play a role. So you could eat vitamins A, D, E and K, but you could live in a house, you know, full of dust mites and you might mouth breathe for the rest of your life and mm. it's, it's going to shrink the, the size of your jaw. You yeah, know I mean? gotcha. So it's not so, always it's, – it's like, a, again, it's kind of like toxins, isn't it? It's a soup. And it just depends on how many things you're exposed to or how many checkpoints, you know, what's on the, what's on the tick list for perfect teeth. Yeah. yeah. And vitamins, vitamins A, D, E and K will do what they're meant to do if all the other habits, you know, your breathing habits and your chewing habits are on point. You know, if you're actually, you know, masticating, if you're actually physically breaking down your food, chewing with purpose, chewing, you know, you know, 30 seconds before you swallow your food instead of hoofing it down. Mm. And, you know, that plays a role too. I think we get so hung up with this, you know, if I'm eating all this vitamin A, D, E, and K, then I don't understand why nothing else is working. Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, the human body. Look elsewhere, yeah. Well, the human body is a little bit more complex than that. So I think whilst Western A prices work is amazing and I promote it, it's not the only thing that we need to look at. Gotcha. Nice. Um, now, something that's uh, interesting and sort of being talked about, we're, we're starting to diversify from just talking about the gut microbiome. Obviously, there's an oral microbiome as well. And someone's asked the question, um, you know, symptoms such as, like, can we change our mouth, mi- our oral microbiome when you have symptoms like bad breath or metallic taste, uh, white tongue, excessive saliva? And I might just make comment on metallic taste um, checking your zinc levels is a good one for that and also um, f- seeing whether you have a mouldy house because metallic taste is one of the mould symptoms for mm. mould illness. Um, but um, I guess, you know, over to you on this, uh, how do we look at um, gut dysbiosis and its relationship with um, oral dysbiosis? Is there a link and or are they separate microbiomes and how do we look after our oral microbiome and maybe make it better? Yeah, I mean, they they definitely are, are linked. And, you know, even if you look at a simple act like flossing, you're actually changing the... The answer to the question is, yes, you can change your oral micro- microbiome. Um, but if you look at the simple act of flossing, there's really, really, really nasty bacteria that live underneath the gums. They actually live without oxygen. So that, that's how tenacious they are. They can live without any oxygen supply whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So when you're flossing, 
you're actually introducing oxygen down into those pockets underneath the gums and then you're trying to make your bacteria more friendly rather than a foe. So a lot of people think that when they floss, they actually just go through and are getting rid of all the plaque. That's not the case at all. We'll never get rid of back all the bacteria in the mouth and it's all about changing it. So if you take flossing as an example, you can actually change the bacteria from underneath the gums just by going for regular cleans, getting really thorough cleans, flossing your, flossing your teeth. So that's just one example. But then there's like, you know, diet, eating foods high in, you know, vitamins A, D, E, and K, plenty of fiber, actually, you know, using your jaw, chewing a lot, um, promoting that saliva, you know, plenty of colors in your, in your diet, that's going to change the, the, um, the microbiome for sure. Yeah, um, eating lots of celery sticks is good for that too because the salt, the natural salts in celery sticks naturally make you want to produce a, like healthy saliva. I was reading yeah. about that. I can't remember where I read about that, but it was really fascinating and it makes sense and you, just, you, you actually feel like you're doing such a good thing when you eat celery sticks. There's something about them. Mm, yeah, they're, they're one of the best snacks for your, for your teeth. Mm. Um, and yeah, the, we, can, we can definitely change. And also just even drinking plenty plenty of water as well you know a lot of people are dehydrated this day and age they load up on coffee all day um even though i'm a coffee drinker it sounds like i'm not um (laughs) i like how you're regularly checking in and implicating yourself in these things too it's good yeah yeah (laughs) self-improvement um yeah and then you know people are drinking lots and lots of wine at night time and you know that that's all pretty you're, you're essentially providing nasty bacteria with a food source if you're consuming mm. things that are not natural. And um, it, so it basically, what you're saying is, is the same things that help our, micro, our gut microbiome seem to support uh, oral microbiome health too. Yeah, and look, I mean, one of the worst things you can do for your gut is consume lots of sugar. One of the f- worst things you can do for your oral microbiome is consume lots of sugar because mm. they're nasty, aggressive bacteria that that absolutely love that food source and Mm. you're basically just fueling the fire Um, whereas you can put the fire out if you actually go through and eat really natural healthy foods and like I always say to my patients if you sit in front of it you're about to go and eat something you think would would my ancestors recognize this as food Mm. and if the answer is no then you probably shouldn't put it in your mouth and your your mouth will be healthier if you don't except for 85 percent dark chocolate right please tell me yes Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Right answer. Yeah. Um, so uh, this lovely lady has said she's got receding gums and she's wondering if it's due to poor diet or brushing her teeth super hard. She likes to get really clean. What natural remedies could she try before seeing her traditional dentist to um, get her gums back in shape? Um, look, so if you've got your gums that are stripped away because you're brushing too hard or what have you, it's very difficult for you to get them back to the height that they once were. Um, So that's a little bit of a tricky one. You can do things with uh, a periodontist, which is a gum specialist. Mm -hmm. There's something called a gum graft where they graft um, soft tissue from elsewhere in the mouth and basically stick it where your gums used to be, for lack of a better term. Um, And then the success of those sorts of things aren't great. I want to say it's around 50-50 and it's quite an invasive treatment, so probably not ideal. Um, 
I could be wrong with those stats, but it's worthwhile having a look. Um, the other thing is that a lot of people don't realise is that gum recession can also be related to tooth grinding. Oh, okay. Wow. So a lot of people think, oh, I've just been told that I'm brushing too hard. And yes, that's true. We should be using a soft bristle toothbrush, circular motions. We love enthusiasm, but don't don't strip your gums away. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you clench and grind, your enamel is very, very thin near the gum line and if you grind really hard that can flake away yeah and then a result of that is that your gums can actually recede underneath the forces of, of clenching and grinding so i would suspect in that particular case that there may be some sort of a grinding issue which is related to the way you're breathing and then the way you're breathing um is, is dependent on a whole range of factors mm, interesting and is um the cause of grinding, uh, is that about mouth breathing or the way one's breathing um, specifically or are there other causes for tooth grinding? Yeah, I mean, look, there's... There Stress is, is another one, right? Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of people just kind of say, oh, it's just all stress, but it's it, in a lot of cases it's sleep-disordered breathing. So it's what you're doing at night time. So tongue should be at the roof of the mouth. You should be breathing through the nose. If it, the, the tongue is connected to the lower jaw, obviously, and so if you open your mouth, your tongue will drop from the roof of the mouth to the floor of the mouth, and then it can drop backwards at night. And if your tongue's in your airway, it's a natural response to start grinding because that's very stressful. So you'll actually see in the mouth, one of the classic signs of sleep disordered breathing is indentations of your teeth on your tongue. So you're actually trying to get your tongue out of your airway subconsciously when you sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a classic sign of sleep disordered breathing but yeah then there's you know stress even previous injury like people that have whiplash and they're you know subconsciously uncomfortable when they're sleeping they might start grinding their teeth um you know that relates to posture i've got some a couple of patients that go to festivals and take a whole lot of recreational drugs and recreational drugs can you know make you clench and grind your 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 teeth and jaw and yeah it just causes all sorts of havoc so i can't picture any low toxes doing that i gotta say <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't imagine i'd hope not i'd hope not um but yeah even she's like, gonna be writing to me going i don't take recreational drugs i don't <laughs> yeah but you know it's actually quite unfortunately quite common mm. um, yeah, yeah i'd imagine it would be especially with a specific age group of mm. you know young people experimenting all that kind of stuff and like imagine you know so much lack of foresight in those um, late teenage years like but then you're 40 and you've got a, a ground down teeth and you're like why did nobody tell me but it's hard to see through time for these young yeah. young people yeah well i mean i wish it was only people in their late teens but mm. the crazy thing is it's, it's not you know yeah wow um, okay just, yep i might <laughs> and no judgment by the way if that's where you're at please please go and seek the right help because it's, it's never the greatest option to head down that road Um, so, okay. So the grinding one is actually quite a big one and I will refer people to the sleep episode I did with Dr. Ron, uh, I think it was show 30 or 33, but I've, I've popped that in the show notes as well. Um, because we talk about that in really deep detail and, um, and how to get support if that's what you think might be up and it might be due to sleep disordered breathing. 
Um, and if it's due to stress, then may I recommend the amazing Belinda Davidson Chakra um, Meditation. That is 30 minutes that could change your life. Trust me when I say, and I'll put that in the um, show notes as well. So on to a random thing that I'd never heard of before. Um, this person's son has a geographic spot on his tongue, changes locations all the time. Mm. Um, what could be the causes? What is this thing? Yeah, so geographic tongue, as mm. it's called, is basically like a map of the world mm-hmm. right. <laughs> on someone's tongue. Really? Like you can literally see the map of the world? Well, you, you're not you're not seeing Africa and. I was know. just about to say, show me this tongue now. That sounds actually quite <laughs> <Yeah>. exciting. <laughs> no, it it they call it geographic tongue because it looks like a geographical map. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's not specific countries. You can't plan your next trip on someone's <laughs> tongue. Um, but um, yeah, it's basically an inflammatory condition affecting the surface of the tongue. And it's, you know, this whole changing in location that the questions mentioned is actually one of the characteristic traits of geographic tongue. It's actually migratory in nature, so it'll move around. Mm, That Um, sounds totally in line with inflammation. One of the um, mouldy people symptoms is um, like migrating patches of skin that hurt. Mm-hmm. And I've had that on and off, especially if I get exposed um, for longer than a week in in a particular particular environment. I'll I'll get that back again. Okay, yeah, it's yeah, bizarre. So this uh-huh. is on the tongue, but it's not necessarily painful. It's a visual thing. Yeah, it's purely visual. Then gotcha. they'll never, well, rarely. Well, don't I've never seen anyone present with pain with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's benign in in terms of like an oral cancer perspective, mm. which again is the 10th most common cancer worldwide now. So you should actually go and see your dentist for an oral cancer check because doctors don't actually look in the mouth. Yeah. So there's something really wrong. Um, but yeah, from an oral cancer perspective, it's benign. It's nothing to worry about according to the literature, but it can actually be a sign of deficiency in iron, zinc, niacin, B6, folate, B12. And then there's possible link to psoriasis, allergies to foods and, and like medications, drugs, um, and also smoking. Interesting. Wow. So there's a bit of investigative work that's involved when you've got this thing. Yeah. And like I said, like if it stays there for the rest of your life, according to the literature, it's, it's not going to make you, you know, more at risk of a particular you know, oral cancer or condition, it's, it's benign. Mm. Um, but, you know, it could possibly link, you know, be linked to a deficiency. So it's worthwhile, again, going off and seeing an integrative GP or a naturopath or what have you, mm. getting those looked at because you might find that you get a reduction if you're deficient in one of those things. Yeah, interesting. Um, and, you know, how amazing if it was just a case of taking a really good um, children's multivitamin. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Worth a shot, or you know, doing your research and then giving it a, giving it a go. But yeah, yeah. Um, now, kind of related to grinding is clenching, um, or maybe it's not related. You're going to tell me, but it sort of sounds like they're similar types of questions. Mm. Um, this person has to wear a mouth guard at night. Yeah, and um, and they've now just started to hear their little four year old grind their teeth. Mm. Um, does this come back to some of the stuff you've already talked about where we need to look at mouth breathing and stress? 
Yeah, so mouth breathing, stress, posture, which is a huge problem in this day and age, uh, head forward posture, stressing the neck. That just made me uh, sit up super straight. Yeah, me too, actually. Mm. Um, and, yeah, so those sorts of things. Um, even deficiencies in D, calcium, phosphorus and magnesium can be at play in grinding, but um, that's also something to look into. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, often kids will do it because they're, as teeth come down, um, at different times, they actually, there's a, there's a theory that they're trying to balance their, their jaw. So they'll, if there's a higher spot on one side of the mouth, they'll actually try and grind that down to even the bite. Mm -hmm. And so their jaw is more comfortable. Right. Uh, So they're subconsciously do that that's one theory and, and that's why often they grow out of it when their adult teeth come through and then they they have a balanced jaw because okay. so much so much changes when they're kids you know like there's a right hand right hand tooth on you know on the upper might come through quicker than the left hand side and so on and so forth so there's a lot of change going on and then i think subconsciously the brain wants to kind of even the jaw out mm, yeah um, okay, I'm going to move on to something that isn't related then. Uh, chromogenic bacteria. How does someone get this overnight or the dark colored appearance anyway? Um, and what's the best solution for it? Can you tell Chrom- me what it is first? What does this <laughs> yeah. even mean? Chromogenic bacteria. Yeah, so cry- obviously chroma is like a, a color thing. So mm. it's often like children with black stains mm-hmm. that come up on, on front teeth. Yeah. Um, so, or even on on all teeth, basically. So, over time, kids can develop this kind of bacteria on their teeth that are that are dark in colour. Okay. Um, yeah, and it's actually basically can be can be from drying out your saliva. Okay. So again, to the mouth breathing, there are some really common themes coming up in these FAQs, aren't there? Yeah, um, you know, so so one solution is obviously promoting, like physically, if they're sleeping with their mouth open, going in and closing it is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, policing it when they're awake, like close your mouth, close your mouth, sit up straight, close your mouth, sit up straight. That's like, you know, a really important thing for their dental development and also to reduce this problem. Um, making sure the water intake's high, um, making sure they're brushing really well, um, and then it can actually be a sign of a reduced microbial diversity, so a lack of bacterial diversity, speaking of the oral microbiome. Mm-hmm. Then back to all of those preventative measures we can take. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, now, this is a great question. If you can't get to a holistic dentist for whatever reason, what to look for in a dentist or dental practice? Yeah, Um Good, it's a good question. Um, I think that uh, I think it doesn't matter whether it's you know if you're talking about a holistic practice or a you know more of a conventional style practice. I just think it's really important to have your concerns or questions answered and not dismissed. Mm, gotcha. So regardless of what opinion that particular practitioner has, um, I think. You know, it's really important to to you know make sure that your your concerns are addressed. Um, and I think that 
you know, someone that's a holistic dentist that's hugely, hugely dogmatic and puts their ideas on you and make you feel, you know, where you feel pressure um, is also just as bad as, you know, and any other dentist that does that as well. So I think that, you know, you've got to be comfortable with what's, um, what's being suggested. And mm. if you're not, then, you know, make sure your questions are answered. And if they can't answer them, then look elsewhere. Yeah. Um, or if they're not, not open-minded, then, you know, perhaps look, look elsewhere. But, um, yeah, I think, I think that's a, that's a, a real key thing. Mm. Um, but I think a good a sign of a good practitioner is actually to say, I don't know. Yeah. You know, when there's a question um, that, you know, I say it almost every day, you know, mm. I, I don't know the answer to that, but I'll, I'll look it up for you or I'll go and find out for you or what have you. you know, mm. I think, you know, you don't want someone that just makes it up as they go. Yeah, totally. And, and at the, by the same token, it's much less pressure on a patient to navigate the scientific literature than it is on someone like yourself who's done multiple years of university to become a doctor in the first place. It'll take you, you know, an hour to get through and find, um, separate the wood from the trees, whereas someone else might go down the internet rabbit hole and not realise something's actually just an embellished article with no research or, you know what I mean? So I think Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, and that, that's, we know, like you said, we know where to look. We're, mm. Like I've got access to a, a whole range of, um, you know, some of the best journals in the world, most mm. respected journals in the world. And, you know, if I don't know something or I see something that's odd, that's rare, you know, I'll, I'll go searching. Totally. I remember when I was um, chatting to um, Dr. Ron um, Reece, oh, I think a few months ago and we were talking about writing the books and I was talking about how long it took me to get all the research together because I was doing it on my own. And he was like, oh, poor thing. Basically being a member of the Dental Association, we've got this library access and we can literally say, can you find me the study on this, this, this? And like then this magical person is going to deliver you all of those links. And I was like, really? Yeah. <laughs> I want that person. <laughs> oh, yeah. And she's, am she's amazing too. I like, hear, I, yeah. I like, you know, if I'm not sure about something or someone like someone's asked me a question or what have you, or I'm writing a, a blog article for a magazine and I want it to actually be evidence-based or what have you, I just write to her and say, I'm writing an article on this, 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 and this. And then like within a day, there's like, 15 articles She's amazing like, so good amazing. yeah so um so ask your dentist and and get people to get i think it's always important to just have a practitioner that feels like your partner in your health rather than your dictator <laughs> like, yeah. no one likes that kind of relationship and you feel quite disempowered or maybe scared to ask questions or scared to even just table different points of view on how to treat something um, and never be afraid to get a second opinion if you don't feel comfortable. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, it's really important. So I've got a couple more questions before we wrap up, and both of them are to do with uh, kids. So um, one is on mouth taping for kids, and we've talked about mouth breathing quite a bit. It seems to be a recurring theme on both issues that people are having and causes for, for a whole bunch of issues that people are having. So it stands to reason that we would address this whole open mouth situation. Mm. Um, and, uh, and so how do we know whether mouth taping for kids is safe? Because, like, I know a lot of people, I know my husband feels uncomfortable about mouth taping, you, you know, <laughs> even accidentally brought him 
into the surgery so you could inadvertently <laughs> explain it to him without it very, coming from very me. subtle. I know it was so subtle, right? Um, <laughs> without it coming from me, uh, which I think is important, you know, go straight to the health professional to make the case if you're feeling like um, they're not going to believe you. But are there some things that we need to do? Um, is it as simple as going in to see a dentist to see whether it's possible? Um, what should we be looking at if we're considering this as an option? Well, the first thing to know is that I don't think a lot of dentists actually know about that. So okay. you gotcha. you may get like this look, like what the hell are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's not widely widely known or widely used. Um, so I why think do that... you why why for, why is it for holistic dentists? Is, is, is it because you guys have broadened, um, like cast a broader net over trying to find solutions as to why some of the most common dental problems keep occurring in people? Yeah, I, I just think, you know, there's so much good information out there mm. and so many different amazing practitioners that can actually help you in your field. And, you know, we have this, we have this like idea that because someone's a breathing specialist or a you know, a respiratory specialist that's recommending this, we just think, oh, well, what's breathing got to do with dentistry? Mm, well, gotcha. you know, if, and if you have that sort of a mindset, you're kind of missing missing out on some good things that you can be doing for your patients. Yeah. Um, and so you just got to keep an open mind and think, oh, well, that could actually work really well for, for what we do day to day. And so how do we f- make sure it's safe? Because obviously the, sk- the, the fear here would be, oh, my gosh, my child's not going to be able to breathe in the middle of the night and they're going to yeah. not stop breathing kind of thing. Yeah, so the thing to note there is that if, they're, if they do tape their mouth, they're going to take it off if they can't breathe. Like mm. there's, a, there's a natural like survival mechanism at play here like that, that will come into, you know, into play if, if if it's an issue but i don't think you should just dive into it i think you should get advice on whether you you think it you know whether it's an appropriate thing because if there's like a structural problem like people that have had really badly broken noses or they've got huge like adenoids turbinates what have you in the nose then you know that needs to be addressed first mm-hmm. um, and so that needs to be assessed by people in the know and then, um, you know, actually going and looking at what is around the house that could be causing mouth breathing, you know, like are there, like do you have dust mites in your house? Do you have dust mite covers on your bed, which I think all people should kind of have? Mm. Um, you know, is there a mould issue or what have you? Like all this sort of stuff can, you know, these allergens, and then you talk about food, that can also play a role, like people that are allergic to, you know, certain types of dairy or what have you that can block them up Mm. Um, and so they need again it's a multifactorial thing it's not like just oh i'm going to take my mouth and that's it yeah gotcha. Um, but yeah i think that the first thing that people can do is actually police it at home while their kids are you know around the house yeah and so so you're saying by doing that you just literally tape them up during the day when they're wandering around or doing their homework and see how they go with it yeah, you can do that or just make sure that they're, you know, that they're not walking around with their mouth open. Ah, you know? okay, gotcha. Like to see um, whether they actually need the mouth tape in the first place. Yeah, I mean, because sometimes it's purely habit. Mm. Other times it's actually because they struggle to, to breathe for yeah. whatever reason. And once that's addressed, then, you know, 
they they can do it without taping. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you can always start with a little strip, you know, not the whole way across, but just where Top the front to bottom te- kind of thing a little bit. Yeah, where the fr- where the front teeth are. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a good good place to start just during the daytime when they're doing their homework. Make sure they sit up, they're sitting up straight. And if they can't actually do it, they'll fight it and they'll break it. They'll kind of tear it off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's where you might consider looking for a structural problem. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, and um, something that you did with um, Seb before we tabled the idea of mouth taping was you did a little oxygen saturation test on his finger. Is that yeah. something doctors have? Like, is that something we can just test at our GP if we can't get to a holistic dentist? You can just you can actually just buy a pulse oximeter at home. Like, just they're about five or ten bucks. Oh, cool! You can get them on the net, and then you—it's just a neat thing to track your. Um, heart rate and your oxygen saturation just randomly just out of interest because <laughs> that's what we're all into yep <laughs> yeah. everyone loves oxygen saturation that's what i've learned um but yeah you can pop it on your f- so you can basically pop it on your finger and you should kind of be somewhere between 96 and 99 or, you know that's that's kind of a normal 97 to 99 um, is kind of normal oxygen saturation. So it'll just come up as a percentage on a pulse oximeter that clips on your finger. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can actually pop the tape on over the top. And if your oxygen saturation stays the same or it improves, then you know that there's probably more than likely not going to be a, pop, uh, a um, structural issue in the way. Mm. So when I do it, my oxygen saturation actually went up slightly, and so I, you know, I've been taping my mouth for six years or so. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That must be um, nice to explain to the new girlfriend. Yeah, it's always. always <laughs> so, by the way, please don't freak out. But <laughs> um, okay, I've got a doozy to finish us up here, and mm. um, this is uh, it, for me. This question kind of wraps up everything we've talked about, really. But it's this poor um, parent who is talking about her eight-year-old. Um, and the fact that they have a small jaw, not enough room for his teeth. He has poor teeth as well. His gums have white marks on them above the teeth. They would love to know why his gums have these marks. Um, so actually that hasn't come up, that particular part of it. But they eat organic only, low tox, quality, quality whole foods, diet, lifestyle, can't work it out. And their holistic dentist can't seem to work it out either. Have you got any ideas to add Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I mean, the white marks above the gum would suggest to me that possibly there's a um, a mouth breathing issue going on. And sometimes you can actually get, if you clench and grind your teeth a lot, you can actually get these kind of bony ridges that form up around the gums. Okay. And... Basically, you'll lay, your body will lay down bone under tension. So if you imagine you're chomping down on your jaw a lot at nighttime, your body will actually lay down bone in certain areas in the mouth. And so that can be a sign that a child or, or an adult is actually grinding. So mm. I'm, I clench and grind my teeth and I've actually got these little bony ridges just below my tongue on the inside, mm-hmm. on the inside of my lower jaw. Yeah. 
and that's a classic sign that I've been sort of clenching over the years and my body's laying down bones. So I would say there's probably some sort of a, um, a breathing issue at play here. Gotcha. Um, and then as a result of that, there's probably some grinding or clenching going on. Yeah, so that again leads me to mentioning the amazing uh, podcast that I did with Cole Clayton all on that subject of oral myology and all we can do to get our kids breathing again with their mouths closed and the sleep episode I did with Dr. Ron where we go into that topic um, really, really deeply and I think it just feels like as we've answered all of these FAQs, so much of it seems to come back to some really strong recurring themes on how you're breathing and then the cause of that breathing, if it's either environmental toxins in the home or stress um, or tooth positioning or stage of growth of teeth, as you kind of talked about, um, how we're eating, um, how we're living outside of that again, so exercise and, and all of those good things. And then, um, and I guess if I could ask you to finish off here, if you could just speak directly to everybody out there and say, guys, of all the things that everyone can freak out about, these are the absolute top things to implement today um, to not only future-proof any further problems but, um, but also deal with so many of these recurrent problems. What would, you, what would you say to them right now? I would say if you're talking about for, you, for your children, actually analyse the way that they're they're breathing mm-hmm. um, day to day, you know, do they breathe, breathe with their mouth open? Do they walk around with their mouth open? That's a big, big thing because it yeah. can affect their sleep. Same with adults as well. Um, so uh, the other thing I'd say is just eat plenty of natural, natural foods. Avoid the really sticky, starchy, carbohydrate stuff, um, and just yeah, eat eat plenty of natural, healthy foods high in vitamins a d e and k and then you know snacking on celery sticks carrot sticks nuts and things that stimulate saliva that's important for everyone Mm. um and that would be you know so dietary and diet and breathing is very important yeah cool diet and breathing diet and breathing it just feels like those two things just kept coming up over and over and over again so don't despair. Hopefully there's a whole bunch of good stuff in there that at least helps move people onto their next stage of research. And I want to thank you so much, Lewis, for spending literally hours with us, um, taking, uh, letting me take you through all these FAQs from the community and, um, and speaking to them. Um, it's really, really generous of you. I know you're super busy in the practice, and so we really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Absolute pleasure, and I must say that the, your community is, you know, fantastic. Some of the questions there were really thought-provoking, and obviously a very switched-on group of people. So it was awesome. Yeah, cool. Thanks so much once again. No worries, pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoy having these conversations and bringing them to you. Now, where can you find me and Lotox Life from here on in? Well, you've obviously got lotoxlife.com and there we have everything beautifully organized into food, home, body and mind topics as well as kids and a whole bunch of free downloadables and resources to help you, inspire you to take community action. And there's amazing A to Z recipes 
recipes there if you're ever getting a little bit stale in the kitchen and a whole bunch of articles that I've written. You can also find me on Instagram at Lotox Life and also on Facebook by a page the same name. I make everything super easy, Lotox Life, so you can find it really, really simply. Thank you so much to everybody who leaves a five-star review over on Stitcher or iTunes or wherever it is that you tune into the show. And also to let you know that you can join us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Lotox Life and come join the private Lotox Life Club. In there, over time, more and more cool stuff is about to be added. It's a place where we can continue the conversations, chat about the weekly show, You're going to get bonus Q&A and all sorts of things over time. I explain everything over on Patreon, so I encourage you to check that out. And in the meantime, I'll see you next week. 